Hello and welcome to Qatar's first sports podcast, In The Game. I'm your host, Steve Mackey, and we can't wait to introduce you to everything that is sports here in Qatar and afar. We're going to be bringing you personalities, company owners, institutions, individuals that are making a real difference. So, with us, enjoy the journey. Demetrius, Good fantastic. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for inviting. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I'm, First I'm, podcast. I'm, yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of, it's my second one, but okay. it's, it's exciting for me too. So we have um, in the game, uh, Qatar's first sports podcast, which we're very excited about. And Pleasure to be on. Yeah, because I kind of, just a little story between us both, is that we met by pure accident. Yes, it we did. It was kind of, uh, Sean, your, your business partner, and a friend of mine was walking in Alberta um, Tower. And I just slapped him on the back and he said, come, come with me, come and have a coffee. Upstairs. And I was like, um, okay, no problem. Let's, let's, where are we going? He does that a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like, uh, where am I going? He said, oh, he's in the QFA. Come on, come on up. So I'm coming up there. I'm not thinking, well, what's this guy going to be like? And then I come into your office and you've got three computer screens all around you. And, and you've got two phones, one in one ear and one in the other ear. So and it's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disturbing. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was our first introduction. Yes. And from there, it was Pleasure. like it was amazing meeting you. And the things that you do is incredible. So I'm going to hand it over to you with, with what you do. Well, th- first of all, thank you for inviting me. This is a very unique opportunity for me to have a normal one-to-one talk and be recorded for it. So fun. I, I should stop saying this. I always say I'm not from the sports industry, but yeah, 10 years later, I'm still working on it. So the background for me, I'm a Greek-American born in the States, grew up in Greece, went back in at 46 years of age. Now I'm 26 years outside Greece, so it makes me more international than anything else. But it's funny how I got involved in sports since we're on this topic. I came back from the States working in banking and working in project management, which is something I continued in my career. A friend of mine had just returned back to Greece. Hi, how are you? I just came back. He was doing his Harvard MBA. I had returned and I was working in a French bank. He goes, I'm going to be working for the Olympics. Do you want to join? I'm like, of course. Who says no to that? Although people later in life said, wow, you all dropped your jobs and dropped your careers to work for it, but it was a unique opportunity and once in a lifetime, we will never see ever Olympics in our lifetime in in Greece. So I moved over and that was my first sports project. Now I say this, it doesn't show, I always love sports. And and I say this as a story also to my daughters because it's a funny one. I was the captain of the football team. You don't think about these things later. I was playing in every single sports there were. In 1993, I won the top college award for sportsmanship and the best athlete. Because I played on everything from table tennis to chess. Won gold medals in basketball, volleyball, skiing, everything. I, I, I'm good in a lot of sports. But when they gave me this plaque, which is funny to see it, Dimitri Zanetto's Best Athlete Award, and instead of inscribing 1993, they put 1933. <laughs> so I'm 60 years an athlete, that's what I say. But um, I never thought I would make a career out of it. And the Olympics was the first push into it. Um, it was a first pers- push into project management and understanding how events are organized. And what I love saying about sports, we all come from different industries. And I've worked in retail, I've worked in banking, IT, construction, which is a family business. And all these industries have their peculiarities. Sports, though, is the one that encompasses everything. Because when you do a sports event, you have to do everything from A to Z. You have to know the security, the logistics, the planning, the marketing, the ticketing, the competition element of it, 
and you never see, and funny we're in this building because this was my first sports project in Qatar. This was the building of the Asian Cup in 2011. And if I describe to you one by one the departments, it's representatives of every industry, which you don't see in other projects. Yes, you will have your project managers, depending on the project, your experts on that industry. You don't see what you see in sports, everything from a generator to people were telling me, what did you do in the Greek Olympics? I go, I was collecting stray dogs at one point because <laughs> it was a big risk. We had about 20,000 stray dogs in Athens. Right. He's like, ah, what job did you do? I go, I was the project manager for the community with the third biggest budget in the Olympics. Yet, when it came to the actual test event where you have horses, the stray dog could create a big problem because it could go back to a horse. Horse, the the thing falls off. He, the horse dies. The it was it was a big risk. So what we were doing, <laughs> collecting stray animals. So you don't hear this in, in other industries. So I was very very lucky to become involved in it. Fast forward seven years later, I'm in London. I'm doing the consultancy life in the rat race, and at some point we said enough is enough. We can't we can't continue not seeing each other, working crazy hours, traveling. Crazy time, Monday to Friday, two years in a row, traveling away from home. And you'll understand this better than anything. Working a life that my toothbrush and my shaving machine were always in my suitcase. So I would take it, brush my teeth, put it back in the suitcase just in case I don't forget it. That was a life we didn't want to continue. So in 2009, that's a lie, 2008, I met some people from Qatar that worked in the Qatar Football Association. And like everybody before they're coming to this country, what are you doing? Where is it? Because I knew the Middle East. I knew Dubai. And uh, the next question is like, oh, we're doing an Asian Cup, which is like the Euro. Like, here's my CV. And I was the first person they hired. So that's what brought me to this region. And I'll just finish saying 10 years after, I still work in some form or 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 projects um, assignment in the Qatar Football Association. I've been blessed to be in that organization, seeing how it changes through time. And I've worked for anything from sports event management, which is the Asian Cup, um, restructuring the organization to become a better organization, uh, working in political campaigns and com com cooperate, com cooperation agreements, in the past three years, being honored by all the eight federations of the Gulf to be the project and manager and strategic advisor for the Arab Gulf Cup Football Federation, which is an organization uh, created from the eight countries of the Gulf to, to commercialize and better organize the Gulf Cup, which is uh, one of the most, um, the oldest um, uh, cup here in the region, and to some nations, even more important than the World Cup. If they, if they compete in the Gulf Cup, sometimes it's more important than actually competing in the World Cup. So, yeah, that's my background in, in sports for the past, what, 15, 15 odd years. 16. Every time I meet you, it's, it's, you've got an incredible lifestyle. It's like you're, you're on the go 24-7, it seems like. Up, yeah. I kind of, one of the, the last ones I saw was um, uh, um, your WhatsApps. And it was it was laying on the table, and it just it just wouldn't stop. Yeah. And the whole how did, thing. How did we live before? Yeah, how, yeah. how did we live? And it's like I'm 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 52 years old, and I'm a bit like yourself. Okay, is is it? I'm not. Kind doesn't look like I'm into into sports, but I was a army winter a boy army windsurfing champion. It's like I used to play rugby. I used to play football. I used to play all of those things to so a, a hockey to a very high standard. 
Um, but then you get married and things change. You get children and then, then you don't go yeah. on to the courts or you don't do those things any, anymore. So it's always been in my blood. And, and, and that's the one thing that I would say with, with yourself is that you're involved in such a high level here in Qatar, especially when it comes to, to football and many other sports because you're working on different types of things at the moment with the, the sports technology. Community sports, you put yeah. so much back in. What other things do you do? Well? Um, I'll say that it, it came by luck. One thing brings the other. So when it comes to sports, I agree with you. At some point, you grow out of it, but I still love to compete. I will go out, and I had a bloody knee the other day, and I, and I Instagrammed, which I don't usually do, and I Instagrammed my blood coming down my neck. I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm 14 years old again. <laughs> so the competition never leaves, but I do get more pleasure or excitement from behind the scenes. So what you saw me, and this is true, I've been in now, what, about four or five uh, Emir Cup events, which is the final event of the season. I've been in the Arab Games. I've been in big competitions like Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, the Italian Super Cup. If you ask anybody, where's Dimitris when you always see this? I'm never in front. I'm never in the pitch. I'm always in a booth that probably doesn't see the field of play. And I'm with radios. And I'm very good with radios. I'm very good that I can control the best I've done. Four radios and two in my ear. <laughs> Which means I, if the building is on fire, I will not notice because all my concentration is on the six channels and monitoring people. But I love that. I love yeah. doing that because I love how the planning has developed for a year in advance, coming to that moment of excitement and trying to solve the minute issues of that particular moment, not even caring what the field of play is doing, not even caring what's happening there. The funny story I always say, which is a true one, Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, one of the biggest matches we've ever held in Doha, 45,000 people in Khalifa Stadium, by police standards, at least 20,000 people outside the stadium without tickets. Just to come, they had traveled from all the region, a lot of people from Bahrain at that time, just to take pictures of the media, to take probably a glimpse of Ronaldo. And it was so crazy that at the end of the, at the, end of the time of the match, uh, police disappeared, the match was over, press conference over, yet there were about 6,000 people in the stadium. And of course, some of these filtered in, and there was a huge backlog bottleneck in the in the in the locker rooms, and we were escorting one by one all the players out. And this is how I feel sometimes. I'm in the back. What am I going to do? Everybody's doing a chain, uh, human chain, to let these people out. And at some point, you know how you feel something's in, something's behind you. I'm like something, and I kind of turn, and it's Ibrahimovic. What, walking calmly, <laughs> nobody paying attention to him. Yeah. And everybody was looking and focused in the door that's going to be opening up. Cassie was coming out. Right? Everybody was waiting for another. This big player, tall and big, and he just walks out calmly, goes into the bus. Nobody pays attention. This is how I feel sometimes. In the back, nobody paying attention to me, yet I have a very satisfaction when things go right. I played my piece of it, my part of it. So how did I get involved in the other things you've seen? I think by luck, one thing brings another. I'm involved in community sports. Started as a part-time, um, let's say, activity off uh, free or off, something that you don't really think about and kind of develops into a business. And, I'm, and we're working in community sports and activations of community sports in, in Qatar. And in the region, um, then this transferred into an e-sport initiative out of uh, Greece and going into the European Union and possibly coming to the region here and going to India. And something we've discussed many times, I think e-sports is something very new to us. 
but let me not start talking about it because we will be talking until tomorrow. It is the new generation of where things are going. And um, it's something that's three, four generations under us. But when I have my daughter, and this is a very good example, when uh, I bought the new Note 9, just because I like writing notes, my daughter saw the phone and she goes, is that, is that the new Note 9? I'm like, how do you know the new Note 9? <laughs> she goes, that's the one that has Fortnite installed on it. So my daughter, going into this region, I'm like, okay, I think there's something there. We have to keep our hands on this region. So I'm involved in esports, and also I'm involved for the first time in an advisory uh, company, kind of like a freelancer of advisors, of people that have experience in the sports industry. And we're doing a lot of um, Europe, America sports advisory. So yes, you write too much on my hand right now. Too much on my plate, too many WhatsApps, too, too many hours. But at least in this region, I do it on my own time. Whereas in, in the UK that I've lived in, in uh, the Netherlands, in Greece, and in America, um, time, you kind of have to stay in the office to do these things and always be in the office and always be on the travel. Here list, I'm home. I'm with the family. Okay, my kids have always used to seeing me with a laptop and phones and stuff, but I'm home. So I'm developing these passions and these other activities, but on my own time, yeah. time which is a different... Uh, and and uh, quite a few people that I speak to um, recently, not recently, it's just through experience, the word luck comes. I was just lucky. It just happened. I was lucky. It, it, it just happened. It, I was speaking with, we, we both know Louis Louis. Yes. Um, and he was... I think yeah, he I was just, on a podcast. Yeah, on a podcast yeah, yeah. on LinkedIn today. It says twelve years in the Olympic Committee. I sent. A, I have to send a congrats note. I, I, he was just an incredible. I, he I, is, I he really, is. really enjoyed his and his his podcast. And then I went to meet him. I, I kind of a, I had an hour of his time, and it was it was it was fantastic. And again, the word luck came into it. It was he was in Australia and something happened. He replied because yeah. there was no social media back then. He replied to a little advertisement like we used to, sounding a little bit old myself. We replied to a little advertisement, and it was through luck. And then he got involved with the with with the um, the, the Olympics, and and that seems to be the the kind of factor with a lot of people that I speak to is it was luck. So you you kind of you've come from look chasing the stray dogs or trying to encourage the stray dogs it's just, to, and and then all of a sudden you, you, your life changes so much okay i'll say something to work successfully i hope in this industry and be a strategic when you put strategy and planning and project manager you have to have it to back it up so yes i've been lucky to work in sports and and in this industry this whole region that's developing so rapidly in sports Possibly that is not a luck decision that I specifically came to the Middle East, starting in the Emirates, coming here, always having uh, my doors open and traveling because this region is developing sports. If I was in uh, old, the old world, if I was in Europe, possibly it, was, it would be different. Uh, America would be different if I chose that career path. Here it's booming. So maybe the luck element is when it comes to the individual jobs. But choosing to come to the Middle East was not a luck decide. I had worked five years in big, big, huge projects in, in London, which that might be lucky because I could have been any type of consultant in the UK. And yet I was, so I have to say this, how it, it came to this. My first project in the UK was a retail transformation. Just understand the numbers when we're talking about uh, events. So it was the Littlewoods Shop Direct integration, which you know Littlewoods from the old yeah, books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, it was the biggest retail integration of the entire world. 
120,000 project milestones, just think of the number of value, yeah, yeah. delivering this new organization, Literage and Subdirect, which is uh, online and traditional, delivering more packages to UK homes per day than the UK post office. Just understand the numbers. So when you come from the Greek Olympics and you go into this, you think you know nothing. So I learned project management, proper planning, almost from scratch, but the Greek Olympics was a boost to go into this because all I knew until then was banking operations. And then the second project I get was Department of Work and Pensions, and you know how big that is, transforming their computers, 100,000 PCs, just think of the number I'm telling you now, about a six-month period, changing all the PCs and the infrastructure in each office, 7,000 PCs per night. <laughs> when you think of these numbers, they called the World Guineas record. They're like, hi, we're from this project. We want to report about it. And they're like, yeah, you're right. It is a World Guinness record, but nobody cares to read about these things. But I'm just telling you, so these luck projects that brought me that experience, okay, then transferred me into the sports industry, where it's again planning. It's taking all the functional areas, taking what everyone should do, planning before, during, and after, delivering proper reporting, proper event, um, post-event reports. Okay, that's project management. So yes, there is a luck going into the specific projects here, but okay, there was not that much luck when it came to following a career path that brought me here. So yeah. there is, is it luck. luck there or, is, I suppose it's opportunity. The word is, is it luck or is it opportunity? I think you make your own. You have to, and it's hard work. I mean, you, you, if you think about it, how many... T- in, in, in the sports world, and people understand this, especially now, you can't plan for holidays because usually all the events are during a high-season high, high season event like the winter season in between New Year and Christmas. So for the expats, the Western expats, forget winter holidays. Mm-hmm. We forgot Christmas traveling for six years in a row now. And um, then when you talk about a summer events or something, so there's some things, weekends, you kind of forget these things yeah. when you're working this one. So it is hard work. I'm not mm. saying it's all beautiful. and that, But yes, okay, in between luck, in between hard work, somehow your career gets carved from instances. Maybe you catch them, maybe you don't catch them. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a lovely way of putting it because yeah. that's exactly how it is. You never know. And and if with your all your experience, what for anybody that's thinking about coming to Qatar or they're just starting up in the sporting industry, what would what would be the best advice you would give them? Um, try to get involved in uh, the local events. And again, I I don't want to be specific for that. The whole region has a wealth of international events because they do their tour around. Yeah, and it's. Now, with, at least with online um, job opportunities, it's easier to get glimpse of them. Excuse me, because there's job boards that have these job opportunities that you can, you can come. Now, uh, specific for Qatar, it's a little more difficult now, and I'll tell you why. Because the experience is already here, so there is a recycling of, of expats and people in the region that know about these events. So they stay in the region and they move on to the other event. Which is a good thing because the legacy is here, the knowledge yeah. remains here. And the example I say in 2011 in this building, um, we had about 100, 170 expats, if I'm not mistaken, by the end of 2011 from all across the globe. 2016 AFC under 23, the number is much, much low. And in the Arab, uh, sorry, in the Emir Cup and the events that happen afterwards, Supreme Committee, zero hires from outside because the knowledge base is inside the country. 
So somehow, if somebody's breaking into this industry, you have to get into a local event. You have to get, and there's so many regional events across the world, from the Commonwealth Game, the Olympic Games, the the football cups, rugby, anything, anything you can get your hand on. It's the same event of planning, delivery, and, and uh, analysis afterwards. So whatever you put your hand in, you kind of understand. Saying that, coming from a PMO perspective, I was always lucky that I could see it from an umbrella, uh, yeah. from a helicopter view, excuse me. And you can see everything that's happening below. Because if you go into one specific industry, accommodation, if you go into competition, if you go into legal, if you go into logistics, you don't see what everybody else is doing. So I've been lucky enough to see it always from the top view. But if you want to break in, just go into any LOC, local organizing committee. Just dip your foot in and see if you like that industry or another industry. One will get you into the other. Yeah, and and, and that's, an imp- again, another important factor is, is it just get in there some way. Get in. Get and, in. and this, I'll, I'll tell you, particularly for Greeks coming from, from Greece, again, I don't half of my life is outside Greece right now. But coming from Greece, Greece was the first time in history that we exported know-how after the Greek Olympics. Before us was the was the Australians. After us was the Chinese. But these this expertise, you can't contain it in your own country anymore. You will expand. You will go out there. You'll find new opportunities. So get into any kind of local organizing committee, any event. I'm not saying specifically go into a federation like I am now, which I'm lucky enough that has a lot of events around. Go into any LOC. Yes, it's a two, three-year gig, but maybe that's more than enough that you want. It's two, three years working like crazy, getting the experience, just soaking everything in, moving on to the next one. And then in the next one, you're going to choose, oh, no, really, I don't want to go into ticketing. Maybe I'll go into marketing and commercial. And you expand from there. Yeah. But you have to you have to get involved in something that's happening around. And I suppose anyone that's thinking about getting into sport, one thing that you have to have is the love of it. You do. Because it's a, it's a vocation, right? It's, you, it's, you have to have a passion. You, I mean, there's no, you can't survive the ups and downs of it if you don't have a passion. And the story I always say, say volunteers for these events get more, let's say, down, more psychologically withdrawn after the event than we do. We just, when you're, when you're working in an organization, you get burned out and then you relax or you have a heart attack and you go to the hospital. But volunteers who are doing it because they have more passion, they're doing it for free, they want, they get more withdrawn at the end of the event. And this is true for all organizations that have to have big volunteers. So you have to have a passion or else you're not going to survive. You, you can't survive the, 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 the build up to an event, forget going home, forget going to birthday parties, forget going out. It's just, it's just craziness before leading into an event. And then you drop down. You have to have a passion for it, or else there's no way you can do and it. And it's funny you, you you brought up the volunteers. I'm I I was staggered. I I didn't look into these these things beforehand. But it's people give up their free time, willingly. They just want to, even if it's just standing, kind of, and uh, marshalling. Uh, it's it's <laughs> incredible, and it's just a it, again, it's the love of the sport. It's even more. It's the it's, volunteerism as a notion doesn't exist in a lot of countries. We come from the Western world. I grew up in the states. It was. It was natural in our schools and in our uh, and in our corporations. One Sunday a month, you will go and volunteer. You will go paint a house. You will clean a beach. It, that is normal to us. In Greece, it was not normal. And I'm going to say the same thing about Qatar. The, volunteerism did not exist. Hmm. So there was an education promotional campaign for three years before, two years before, one year before, that grew up so successfully that 
especially for Greece, from the 80,000, what was it, 83,000 volunteers that were um, communicated, 45 were registered for the Greek Olympics. And usually Olympic Games have a turnover of 12 to 15 percent, which is natural. People will come in, see the excitement, get their hat, get there, and then go, leave. In Greece, it was less than 3 percent, which means there were a lot of volunteers just sitting and doing nothing because... You you plan for 20 people, but you kind of have 25 because 20, nobody left. <laughs> and I see the same thing develop in this country, in this region. Volunteerism did not exist when I came into this country. Volunteers were paid per, uh, part-time staff. And through the years, after the Asian Cup in 2011, we gave um, a database. Now there's a national volunteer database in this country that picks up these people who come now and they don't expect anything. They expect... And I have the, the recognition afterwards, some kind of plaque or some kind of diploma. They expect a recognition dinner because it's our way to thank them. And that's it. And they will come with their child, with their wives, with their all together as a family doing volunteering work inside a venue, outside in the fans, which did not exist when I came to this country, 2009, 10 years this month. This did not exist before. So it's, it's an amazing thing to see it grow. These big events wouldn't survive without No, 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 you can't. You can't. You can. You just can't. So going on to, from that, the love, okay? Um, you've got one of your own startups with a community fitness program, which I'm, I'm, I'm sports, kind of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's kind of... People don't realise that, that when you... Because I'm privileged that I've got one of those startups that, that I, I like to work on. Um, and you don't... It's not for the money, right? It's just for... There's not... And and can a, I disturb you there? Yes, I, I want to talk about the one thing with, with the WhatsApp messages. So you had all these messages coming in from all different people that was that was obviously something important. But the most important thing to you was the lady that needed to get to um, Rotana because she was helping you to be um, to do one of the coaching sessions. And all that mattered to you with the messages was that you needed to get her there. She was helping you She's out. She's a coach. She's so, a part-time coach. Um, the town of the Oryx International School. So sorry. you heard Oryx saying, I know. It's the same. No, it is. It, it, community sports is something we've always been involved in. Especially if you play, you always see it. And we try to help professionalize a local uh, group of football coaches. And that transformed to something bigger. And there's now a group of, if I count correctly, 12 of us that have created this sports entity with the purpose of making money in the future on doing sports events, doing esports, doing events. But the community sports, we know it's not it's not a money maker. But at least it helps people. It helps people mm. get off their bums going into and playing. And kids who in other areas probably will not have, now I should not say um, playing uh, esports every day because that's now a different industry. But getting and becoming active and stuff, it, it's something that this whole entire world needs and i'm very happy that i'm be not me i'm not alone i'm telling you there's a big uh, shareholder group that believes in this idea to to develop community sports and we were discussing with somebody the market is small enough and big enough that it can hold up multiple people small enough that people will remember if you don't do your job well and you're not professional you don't answer to parents and you're just like oh come on go into the website and find your information but big enough also to to invite more companies into it and come on it's it's, it's community it's a, you have to engage in it and something that we learned growing up as kids but we have to push it as much as we can and and again this, these are all kind of stories that i've got with you um we organized a trip with 25 students from from the uk ucfb um from wembley wembley stadium 
it was um, it was quite daunting for me because it was I, I I wanted to make sure that it was a real special one, and you were the one of the first people to say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm I, there." I, I love I'm academia, there. so uh, I'm there. I'm there. That's a different academia and training is is a pa- that needs passion. When you have a whole week uh, working and you need to get up and go train, that needs more passion than possibly your daily work because for your work you get paid. Talking to students and training and meeting students from other places that just want to hear a new opinion, want to hear something new. And a couple of the, the students I met needed some help on their CSR uh, reports. Come on. I know it's we're all busy and we have that's five minutes of my day that I will not get back. But for that student, it's important that somebody he met in the Middle East, oh, and he responds to my email and he, come on. I, I, just think how we were at their age. But academia is a whole different. Academia you have to have a bigger passion, I think, than sports or any kind of other industry because you're transferring your knowledge and you're transferring your experience. It's different than work. It, it is different. different, and I and I think to myself where where I'm involved in that type of stuff is that, that I'm I'm kind of lucky in that way um, because I find that come naturally to me. Uh, the 25 students, for example, I'm still I'm still on their WhatsApp group. And I'm still getting messages to say, I'm thinking about guitar. I'm, uh, that was amazing. Perfect. I've got people that were on that. You were one of those those guests. Um, um, uh, Gordon Penny was one of them. Aisha from um, Furas. All the people that we, we know. And they all made a part. And they all changed somebody's lives. And, and they didn't go out there. They, they just gave it what they had. You know, they, wow. they, they put themselves over. And that's you, t- for me, and that's it's the same you. Now, when it comes to these connections, I go, but I, I'll say you a little trick that I have. When it comes to LinkedIn development, because that is an educate that group of people, we will know, we will follow them, we will see their careers because I'm connected. But when it comes to generally going and expanding your network on LinkedIn, I don't accept people that don't. I don't have a personal message. I don't know. It's it's a. I have that thing in me. If it's something, we I get twenty messages per day on LinkedIn connections. If I don't know you from somewhere, or we work together in my college, and there's no introduction email to me, that's just lazy. It's just clicking, clicking, clicking to see if you can. But if there's a personal message, even if I don't know you, even if you're in a competing market or somebody that, I, I, if there's a personal message, I will accept you because it's taken the time to introduce yourself, to say, hi, I would like to meet you to sell a product. I don't care. Maybe I never buy your product, but I love that personal networking. I don't enjoy the cold um, turkey or no face approach of uh, so these kids have done something yes they came here but they could have just put me on linkedin but each and every one of them thanked thank you so much nice to meet you can i please have some help and see i'm like of course of course they're they're nice they were nice people. linkedin is a subject in itself yeah. and it, it really is because it's been the pr- probably the biggest with me being here for 10 years in qatar it's been the biggest tool that I've I've ever had, yes. and it's it's. But you've got to make the effort, and, <laughs> and and I suppose with everything what we're talking about today, it's making the effort. Yeah. It's making that little bit of an effort. The I, difference, the difference that you have. go on the other side too. When I do get invitations, I know when I accept, I have to make the two. What is it? Thirty second effort to reply back. Yeah. Thank you very much for the LinkedIn connection. Nice to meet you. Greetings from the desert. That's yeah. a, I do it a standard one, but I write it every time. You can't copy paste it from somewhere. Yeah. I, come on. We need I, to be polite. As we say in Greek, politeness is not owned. It's not earned. You have to give it. And and uh, we say also in Greek, people don't owe to say something good to you. 
They, they don't know you. They, you can just walk to the city. Nobody has to say good morning. Nobody has to say hello. God bless you. Nobody has to say these things. It's just manners are free. Come on. Give it out. Give it out to the world. <laughs> You're right. Give it out. Make a difference. And a, a, a good example. I was saying to you just before the, the, the show started, I said, um, I met this great guy last night. And it was in a coffee shop, and he was sat next to me, and and, and I start just started. I'll do it in the elevator. I'll do it wherever, and that's, that's one of the good you're good, good advice. You're good in that. It's yeah. it's just kind of meet people. You've got to. It's like one of those things, and and never be afraid to offer your hand of friendship. It's it's like you'll be you'll be absolutely blown away by the amount of people that will yeah. come back and smile, a little smile, eye contact. My daughter came to me two weeks ago. She goes, Daddy, a lot of people are saying good morning to me, and they're happy to see me. I go, Why is that? because I say good morning every morning to them and I go and kiss the teacher. I go, I go, can I ask you something? Why do you do that? Because it makes them feel good. I go, that's a perfect answer. That's a perfect answer for a seven-year-old to say that. She gets it. Yeah. Putting and spreading out good vibes, good work. Good, come on. It'll come back to you, but you don't do it for that. You, you don't do it do to it make the other person happy. Yeah. yeah. And that, that joy. that Because you do feel the joy. If when, when you get something, and there could be the smallest little detail that you recognize, and the meaning to that person is immense. I'll, I'll tell you a story. It's kind of bad with all the crisis that is happening in Europe, and especially hitting Greece and now. My home, my hometown of Athens. There's this thing that happened to me two years ago. And okay, coming from abroad, you always have this different perspective in life. But what I'm about to say, it has nothing to do with where I come from. I went in the morning. I was doing some work for my brother in the construction. I did delivery, and I came back. I go done, done. Okay, let me go get something to eat because it was like eight o'clock on in August, which everybody's disappeared from Athens. And I go into this coffee shop. I'm not joking. I go, good morning. Can I have two cheese puffs pies and one milk? Oh, milk is a chocolate milk. And the guy takes it and in, in between taking kind of stands for an uncomfortable five, six seconds more, which something was wrong. I go, sorry, that's it. And he snaps back into reality. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, sorry. He goes, just every day comes in, every day goes out. Not one person smiles and says, good morning. I'm like, you're joking. He goes, no, nobody says good morning anymore. And you say it and I kind of... It kind of, the chips in my, my brain just didn't work well because you said good morning with a smile. I'm like, so th this is where we're come, this society that we're going into of looking at the tablet and not, ah, oh, come on. Dimitri. We have to be a little bit more open. Thank you so much for coming oh, my on pleasure. the podcast. And, and I hope today that you've got some, there's some valuable lessons there today and take advice from what we've been talking about. There's some, there may have been little messages that we, we kind of, we came up with, but they're huge here in Qatar. Take advantage of them. Be nice and you'll go nice. farther than you can expect. You never know. Hard work, nice and... Yeah, just keep on the lookout for, if you're interested in this industry, keep pushing, getting into it, and even in your local region, and then expand internationally. It's, it's a big industry. It's a yeah, big industry. don't stop reaching out. Don't stop. Yes. Okay, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, good on you. Thanks very Enjoy. much. Enjoy the day. Yeah, thank you. Everyone, thank you for listening. This has been brought to you by Ginger Camel Network. Please send us your feedback on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And don't forget to review us on your favorite podcast app.